Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Our Congressman Byron Donalds will be joining us. We'll also visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is September the 23rd, and on this day in 1875, Billy the Kid was arrested for the first time after stealing a basket of laundry. He later broke out of jail and roamed the American West, eventually earning a reputation as an outlaw and murderer and a rap sheet that allegedly included 21 murders. The exact details of Billy Kidd's birth are unknown, other than his name was William Henry McCarty. He was born uh, sometime between 1859 and 61 in Indiana or New York. As a child, he had no relationship with his father and moved around with his family living in <clears throat> Indiana, Kansas, Colorado, and Silver City, New Mexico. His mother died in 1874, and Billy the Kid, who went on a variety of names throughout his life, including Kid Atrum and William Bonney, turned to crime soon afterwards. McCarty did a stint as a horse thief in Arizona before returning to Mexico, New Mexico, where he hooked up with a gang of gunslingers and cattle rustlers involved in a notorious Lincoln County war between rival rancher and merchant factions in Lincoln County in 1878. Afterward, Billy the Kid, who had a slender build, prominent crooked front teeth, and a love uh, of singing, went on the lam and continued his outlaw's life, stealing cattle and horses, gambling and killing people. His crimes earned him bounty on his head, and he was eventually captured and indicted for killing a sheriff during the Lincoln County War. Billy the Kid was sentenced to hang for some time. However, a short time later, he managed to again break out of jail, murdering two deputies in the process. Billy the Kid's freedom was brief as Sheriff Pat Garrett caught up with a desperado from Fort Sumner, New Mexico on July the 14th, 1881 and fatally shot him. Although his life was short, Billy the Kid's legend grew following his death. Today, his famous symbol of the Old West, along with such men as Kit Carson, Jesse James, Wild Bill Hickok, Doc Holliday, and Wyatt Earp, and his story has been mythologized and romanticized in a number of films and books, TV shows, and songs. Each year, tourists visit the town of Fort Sumner, located about 160 miles southeast of Albuquerque, to see the Billy the Kid Museum and gravesite. Billy the Kid. And again, mythologized, certainly more romantic than the bad dude he really was. Well, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization of the military, sparking mass protests. The announcement, the first of its kind since World War II, applies to about 300,000 reservists. But since all men there between the ages of 18 and 27 need to do military service, many could be called up. The news is already sparking backlash. Flights out of Russia are selling out quickly. Google searches for how to leave Russia and even how to break an arm at home are spiking, and more than 1,200 Russians have been reportedly arrested in protests. Some chanted, leave our children live, and called for Putin himself to be sent to the front lines, others simply saying no to war. So this, these are tough times for Putin right now. Hopefully he will maintain uh, his sanity and not use nuclear power in this thing. Uh, don't know how long Putin is going to stay in power under these circumstances. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and his wife and three voting right groups were hit Thursday <clears throat> with legal complaints alleging malfeasance related to activities surrounding the 2020 election. Well, you think so? I, d I certainly do. The Center for Renewing America filed two complaints, the first against Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan, and the second against Group Center for Tech and Civic Life and Center for Election Innovation and Research and the National Vote at Home Institute. <clears throat> Thursday morning with the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, 
The complaint alleges that Zuckerberg and his three groups were involved in a scheme to inject nearly $500 million into the 2020 election and throw it to President Biden. Biden ultimately defeated former President Trump. Well, not really, but uh, (laughs) that's what the election determined. Winning key swing stakes, Arizona, uh, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Zuckerberg hired uh, former President Obama campaign manager David Plouffe to spearhead the effort, according to the CRA. Plouffe allegedly funneled most of the $100 million grants from the couple to Democrat-leaning jurisdiction to swing states via the three taxes and voting rights groups headed of the uh, November 2020 election. It's beyond disgraceful to imagine federal taxpayers subsidizing partisan preferences of billionaires who easily could have given the Democrat a super PAC in, uh, to the PAC in 2020. But of course, they would not have been able to take a tax deduction, so they disguised the political nature of their donations and shuffled them through charitable intermediaries, making ordinary ta- uh, Americans foot the bill. So this is the complaint. He makes, I did not know this, but these political contributions turned out to be tax deductible, at least in the mind of Zuckerberg and these uh, other groups. The CRA noted the federal tax law prohibits individuals from making donations intended to legit illegitimately aid one political party over another. The complaints say the IRS must deny any personal income tax exemptions collected by Zuckerberg and Chan for their donations to uh, these organizations. The CRA also requests that the IRS terminate the tax exemption of the three groups. We leave the service to determine whether there's enough evidence to sustain a criminal investigation into Chan or Zuckerberg for tax fraud, the complaint said. Nevertheless, at the very least, it's incumbent upon the IRS to recoup what is likely a false tax deduction on roughly a $100 million order. So in other words, the tax deduction, the money saved from uh, this deduction would be about $100 million an unlawful taxpayer subsidy running to support Democrat election, uh, electioneering purposes. So I certainly support this. Uh, by the way, Zuckerberg, in this downturn in the market, has lost over $71 billion in the market downturn. Now about He's now the 20th richest person in the world. And hopefully after this debacle, he'll go down the list uh, as well for using American taxpayer dollars to fund the uh, theft of the election in 2022, or 2020. Well, uh, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, has been labeled an egomaniac by former White House colleague in a new book, which he claims the COVID czar mocked people for being following pandemic regulations he implemented. Brian Morgenstern, a former White House deputy press secretary, discusses his time inside the White House during Donald Trump's presidency in the book Vignettes and Vino. Morgan Stern referred to Fauci as awful and an egomaniac while recalling moments where the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases mocked restrictions he proposed. I vividly recall my blood boiling during an infuriating meeting in the Roosevelt Room of the White House when Fauci laughed about his own goggles comment, making it clear how cynical he was and how he could get people to believe anything, Morgan Stern wrote. He went, went on to laugh about how uh, ass-backwards it was that people entered a restaurant wearing a mask and then sat down and conversed with people without a mask. Of course, he wasn't saying anything like that publicly, but just laughing privately at the America rubes he was fool- fooling. That's my take on Fauci. And uh, actually, quite, quite frankly, I'm hopeful after this new Congress comes in, he will be grilled and uh, hopefully... Uh, get to what his due is, which is basically he lied to the American people and put us through a lot because the people believed him. Well, recent estimates, both uh, from members of Congress and Joint Economic Committee from NerdWallet, indicated that the average household, American household, may have to spend may have to spend eleven thousand five hundred dollars just to maintain the same standard of living as in previous years, $11,500. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo noted, President Biden wanted to declare victory on inflation without solving the problem. One thing is clear, spending trillions that we don't have is making things a lot worse. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis made these comments. So if you look at what Biden has done, he's come into office, and what does he do? Massive spending and borrowing and printing spree, trillions and trillions of dollars, he said. And he warned, that if you do this, you're going to spark a major inflation time 
And uh, not only was he uh, hell-bent on doing that, he also attacked American energy production. So you're inflating the currency and you're cutting down on production. Of course, you're going to get inflation, said um, our governor, Ron DeSantis. Well, if you, one thing that you see in inflation reports month after month, marking inflation at 40-year highs as Americans' real wages continue to decrease, but it's another thing to see real-world impacts of Biden's Build Back Better policies on families trying to make ends meet. In the last week, food banks across the country have warned their inventories are being wiped out and their shelves are getting bare due to what else? Of course, inflation. In Albuquerque, for example, the Roadrunner Food Bank is feeling the pains of inflation, just like the rest of us right now, except they're tasked with feeding thousands of New Mexicans in need. Now, prices are going out of control, along with the number of people who need food assistance. The cost of bulk goods provided by Roadrunners, such as peanut butter and soup, have, according to the staff, increased by 120% to 200% per case. Officials say they have to get creative with their donating donated dollars and stretch what they have as far as it'll go, especially since inflation is driving more people to seek food assistance. That makes sense. Usually, uh, starting the distributions at 8 o'clock in the morning, the staff explained that they frequently have to turn people away as early as 8.15. In other words, open for 15 minutes before they have to turn people away. Of course, this is playing out in Cincinnati, at the Free Store Food Bank. It's playing out at other locations in Phoenix. Same story. For Harvest Compassion Center, a one-stop shop in Phoenix, uh, families in need of food, toiletries, and clothing, they see how demand has increased as uh, lasting inflation spiked and became anything but transitory. Unfortunately, the need keeps going up, says the center's executive director. After 13 years serving the Phoenix community, its staff said that July and August have been the busiest months ever. And that's happened in Pittsburgh and Texas, San Antonio Food Bank, Everybody is saying that, hey, we're running out of food. We can't sustain this. So food prices up, inflation is up. Of course, they have to buy the food just like everybody else. Uh, they are able to buy it at a great discount, of course. But nevertheless, uh, they're buying it and the demand continues to go up. Clearly, things are not going well for Americans and their families. But don't expect to see President Biden express any remorse for his policies that sent inflation soaring nor any apologies for his attempts to assuage concerns that the price increases were transitory. He'll keep blaming supposedly greedy corporations and even Vladimir Putin's war against Ukraine again, rather than talking, taking responsibility despite his frequent claim the buck stops with him. Instead, he celebrates his devastating policies and is busy preparing to host Elton John concert at the White House today. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, the world's longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's Collier Senior Center. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. going to be fabulous, and you can find out more. And get tickets by visiting the gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our Congressman, Byron Donalds. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, We're a think tank in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, uh, we're talking about things that are going on Capitol Hill, and one thing that occurs is, of course, we're running out of money to run the government on October the 1st. What are your thoughts? Well, indeed. So it's, uh, I guess, it's September 30th at midnight. Um, the government will run out of money and will shut down unless the Congress acts to, to pass a new spending measure. Um, and here, it's not just that the parties, the two parties, disagree as to how to proceed. There is all you know that that's commonplace. Um, there's also deep dissension within each party as to how to proceed, um, and it's making for a very fluid situation. So within the majority, within the Democratic caucus, um, in both the House and the Senate, we've this is that dynamic we discussed uh, last Friday, whereby Senator Schumer um, had promised Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, um, some sort of permitting reform measure that would be attached to a must-pass spending bill, and that was the price for mansion support for the Orwellian-named Inflation Reduction Act. Mm-hmm. As we discussed last week, um, that is very much opposed by the progressive base within the Democratic Party. So that has yet to, it's still wholly unclear as to whether or not Schumer can win over his own caucus. Um, and, and the same holds true for the House of Representatives. Turning to the Republican caucus, there's also dissension. So uh, some Republicans want to pass a stopgap measure and then negotiate a, a longer-lasting spending bill during the lame duck session um, you know, later this year when Democrats are still in charge. Other Republicans would prefer um, to pass a stopgap spending measure that kicks the can down the road to the next Congress when Republicans are, are likely, I mean, have a chance or a pretty decent chance to be in the majority and to be able to call the shots. The long and short of it is, at this point, you know, what are we, we're eight days away from when the government would shut down. There is no resolution on the horizon for either of these intra-party conflicts. And indeed, uh, you know, these con- conflicts also bleed out between the parties. I mean, that is to say the Republicans aren't necessarily on board with Manchin's permitting bill either. Um, and the Democrats aren't necessarily on board with kicking the can down to the next Congress. Um, so we've got ourselves a situation where potentially, if this stuff doesn't get ironed out, um, this could be the first ever government shutdown caused by Congress. By that, I mean, um, in the past, it's always been a fight between the executive and the majority in Congress. Um, here, it's, it's due to Congress's own internal. Um, uh, the internal conflicts, both intra-party and inter-party, that would potentially lead to 
um, a government shutdown. So it's a fluid situation, unprecedented, and I'm loath to prognosticate just because there's so many moving pieces at this point. Yeah, well, to me, of course, uh, this profligate spending by the uh, Democrat Party right now, we've it, is, it has to stop. And this, and these occasions give the opportunity to to put a stop stop at uh, on uh, on on the spending that's going on. Uh, of course, uh, McConnell has caved in the past and, and gone on with the Democrat Party to to continue to fund the government at great expense. Uh, <clears throat> now, of course, the elections play into this right now. What are your, you know, I, I'm sure everybody's more concerned about getting elected than they are about the problem with the government. As always, alas, um, and I'll just say, look, I agree with you 100 um, percent. As we've discussed before, the federal deficit is past 30 trillion dollars. Yeah. Um, and still ticking up. And and really, uh, alas, neither party, I mean, progressives are going to do what they do. I mean, they, they tax and spend. But we haven't seen much discipline from the Republicans. And I do agree with you. Uh, uh, if there is discipline to be had, it would be in these sorts of situations that force Congress to pay attention to these ballooning deficits, to this runaway government spending. So, uh, it, it, the political will, unfortunately, has not been there in either party. Um, I'm an optimist, so I'm always hopeful for change. And, and you know, that the 118th Congress um, were the GOP to be in the majority, that perhaps they would finally pay attention to the red ink in our you know, government spending. Uh, yeah, from your lips to God's ear, uh, William. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be uh, interested in an update on what's happening with uh, the attacks on President Donald Trump. Uh, with regard to Mar-a-Lago and uh, what happened in the New York Attorney General bringing civil charges against Trump. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, so again, you omitted a third investigation against the president, and that's the one we spoke about two Fridays ago, which is a potentially criminal investigation being conducted by the Justice Department, FBI, um, pertaining to the, uh, a possible fraud uh, relating to January 6th. So, um, my opinion remains the same. You know, it, it, we've got a, the incumbent president and the majority parties in both houses of Congress have made Trump the central plank in their uh, in their uh, platform for getting reelected, both in the midterms and in 2024 for the presidential election. Yeah. Um, so the fact that these things are being conducted in house without any arms length independence, and by that I mean. There's been no appointing of a, of a, uh, a Durham-like um, special investigator, special counsel to conduct these things. Again, an arm's length removed from um, these political players. That bothers me. Um, I, I will note the New York Attorney General, that's new this week. Um, so uh, Tish James out of the Attorney General's office filed a 222-page civil lawsuit that seeks $250 million worth of penalties against Trump the Trump Organization, and his family, and also seeks to bar Trump and his family from uh, any real estate transactions or getting any loans in New York. Um, and, and I'll say this with respect to this suit. Um, I'll say two things that, that is directly apropos of the, the New York suit. Um, one, you know, this is a huge allocation of resources. Mm -hmm. and perhaps do they have bigger fish to fry in New York? Um, I'm not a New Yorker, but but I, I, I throw that out there. And the second one is, if Trump hadn't been president, or if Trump was a Democrat, would this have occurred? No. Um, and the answer is surely no. And and that to me raises all sorts of you know problems and concerns about using government power to punish our political enemies. Yeah, it looks like the entire platform for uh, the coming up twenty midterm elections is uh, orange mad bad. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed, it, it's true. And look. I'm not, I'm not going to cast a judgment on, on Trump, but I will say this. You can't have that political opinion. You can't have that political goal and at the same time be conducting all these investigations through the, administ the incumbent administration. I mean, it just makes for an uneasy coexistence. And, and again, that's why I've, on, on many, many prior Fridays, demanded some sort of independence for these investigations from the Biden administration. Yeah. William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Congressman Byron Donalds, that and more, uh, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us our congressman, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing great, Byron. I hope you are. Well, I'm in Pennsylvania right now. Oh I'm my actually in, over in uh, western Pennsylvania. And today we're unveiling the commitment to America. This is, you know, the plan House Republicans have for you know what we're going to do when we take back Congress. You know, that's I, I wanted to ask you about that. And uh, so the, the unveiling is today. It's going to be in Pennsylvania. You're part of the uh, – have you uh, – can you tell us anything about what, what what's going to happen or what the content might be? Sure, actually. It's funny you ask. I'm actually looking at some of the material that's right in front of me. I mean, look, we're, it's basically four pillars. Um, it's based upon an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom, and a government that's accountable. And so the biggest thing we want to do is make sure that we're – you know, fighting first to get inflation low, doing the necessary reforms with government spending and at the Federal Reserve. Uh, we want to make sure that <clears throat> we're opening up energy in America again. You know, high energy prices hurts everybody. You know, it doesn't really matter what your politics are. Uh, it hurts everybody when there are high energy prices. The third thing is we want to actually make sure we're defending our supply chains. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to make sure that, um, number one, we're lessening our reliance on China Number two, that we're really securing supply chains. Like, there's still a baby formula shortage in the United States. I mean, how crazy is that? Yep. Obviously, securing the southern border, uh, making sure every student can succeed. And then the last part is protecting constitutional freedoms. Uh, we have an administration that is clear, has no problem abusing the Constitution. Uh, they've, they've been back-channeling with social media companies and media companies to suppress narratives, to suppress counter ideas and it's just flat out wrong and we need to take a stand against it i love the idea i like the idea of letting the american people what we stand for going into the election i don't think we've done that since right. uh since gingrich uh, back in the day back in the 90s so it's a good thing so uh by the way you're you're also up for election on uh november the 8th uh, any thoughts we're gonna win that's <laughs> pretty simple i mean look southwest florida it's really a blessing to represent southwest florida um, you know, we are a conservative area. I think people understand <clears throat> the importance of having, you know, a representative that is going to follow the Constitution, is actually going to make sure that the federal government stays within its boundaries and no more, that you have a government focused on border security, national security. This sounds like real simple stuff, real cliched stuff. 
But if you don't get the simple stuff right, it doesn't allow for America to become a hub for innovation, a hub for ex exceptionalism, which is why people come to our country, which is why more people thrive in our country. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, Byron. Yeah, you know, now we have a, our, our budget, of course, has to be renewed or, or on uh I think it's October the 1st, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, we've only got about eight days to go. Any uh, any thoughts on that? Wait, repeat that. Sorry, it's loud in here, Bob. Uh, sure. No, the uh, the uh, we're running out of money to run the government on October the 1st. Any thoughts on that? Well, my number one thought is is that any, any legislation on continuing to fund the government I sign off on, first things first is we need to pull back all the covid quote-unquote emergency money which is not emergency money that only needs to come out of the system just spending more money and continuing the ship going the way it is while inflation is crippling of the american family is flat out wrong we need to do that number two we still shouldn't fund the government um if the border is going to be wide open fentanyl is crushing so many communities in america right. basically every community in america and obviously we see now the hypocrisy of the democrats when it comes to actually taking in the migrants they say they want to they want in the country they have their rank in hypocritical so i think it's it's really time high time that we get back to business um the government uh, are there functions of the government that need to continue yes there are but should we just fund the radicalism that exists no we should not well i hope you i hope the uh, the that the rest of your caucus is in agreement with that by the way uh, do you have any aspirations within the party now that you're serving in congress well, I mean, look, I, I, it's pretty wide open news now. I'm running for a uh, conference chair. And listen, the premise of, of my why I chose to do this is I just think that we need to be on offense with our messaging. I think that we need to have a, a dynamic uh, national, regional, local strategy for how we get messages out messages out about what Republicans are doing and what it's Republicans tend to do and why Republicans are doing And that's from that means we just have so many uh, media outlets and pseudo media outlets and comedy outlets and, and the like who are constantly pushing political narratives, even though they're not really political actors. So, how Republicans have to be prepared to respond to all this stuff and lay a foundation for why conservatism is a pathway for America? That's why I'm running. That's why I'm in the race. And we'll see how that goes. It's obviously it's an internal discussion amongst the members, but uh, you know, I'm confident. And uh, we're just going to work hard and see what happens at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, Byron. I'm, well, we're rooting for you, and I'm very pleased to hear that you're setting your sights on some House leadership. And, uh, of course, uh, I think it should go on beyond that. Again, Byron— Bob, did I lose you? Yeah, we kind of lost you. It was hard to, hard to hear you there for a while. But in, in any event, uh, just really pleased that uh, you're, you're taking a stand and uh, going to run for a higher office within the House. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, more things coming in the future. Absolutely. I mean, look, when I when I decided to run for Congress, you know, two years, Jesus, been a, it's been a quick two years. But when I decided to make that decision, it wasn't simply about, um, you know, just being able to go and press the button and vote. It was about leading on conservative principles. And that was my commitment. I'm continuing to do that. And this is what that looks like. Great. So uh, you're up in Pennsylvania right now in western Pennsylvania, probably uh, Scranton or someplace like that. Yeah, in Western Pennsylvania right now, we are at a we are at Spring House here in Western Pennsylvania, and Fox and Friends is actually here. A couple of my colleagues are on air live right now. If you want to see them, uh, you know, you have Cat Cammy, Burgess Owens, and Jim Jordan. They're going live right now, and uh, you know, we're just here promoting an agenda that works for all America. And you're probably queuing up to go on air as well. So Byron Donalds again, our our uh, congressman, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Byron. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Can we do anything about these loan bailouts uh, for, the, for the student uh, loan bailout? I think uh, Phil has some ideas about that. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be with you. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We're a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to sort of jump into whatever the biggest thing going is uh, where we think we can make a difference, where we think uh, getting those citizens a little more educated and engaged might uh, affect the outcome in a more free market direction. And all our stuff is on the website, AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org. Again, great organization. And, Phil, uh, a lot of us are very distressed by the President of the United States uh, uh, taking the power of the purse from Congress and decided to forgive maybe up to a trillion dollars of debt, uh, student debt. Uh, but apparently you've got, got a solution to that and you got some thoughts in mind. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting uh, because almost every analyst said some version of the same thing uh, when the president did this. Almost every legal analyst said some version of the same thing when the president did this, which was, uh, hey, if this gets into court uh, and somebody is standing to challenge it, it's pretty much a slam dunk that it'll be found unconstitutional and blocked. But it's going to be pretty hard to get into court. It's going to be pretty hard to show an injury and uh, actually get standing and have a lawsuit that'll survive because uh, courts don't like taxpayer lawsuits. They don't like taxpayer uh, standing analysis. Courts don't like legislator lawsuits and so it was you know it wasn't necessarily clear who, who would be able to sue and in fact uh i think the biden administration's strategy has been to try to prevent uh anyone who would have standing from bringing a lawsuit and so you know last year they terminated all of the debt collectors for student loans uh so there are no more private debt collectors they do their own debt collection now instead uh probably because those guys would have sued they don't care if everyone hates them uh, and the servicers, the companies that service the federal student loans, well, all of those contracts are now set to expire at the end of 2023. And so those companies all know that it's going to be the same administration. It's going to be the same education department that awards the next rounds of that, that awards the next round of contracts, and that may well uh, deter them from you know suing their sugar daddy, if you will, and risking uh, that they'll be frozen out in the next round. And so I'm not sure that some of the big, you know, private sector servicers like Nelnet and so forth uh, are going to do it, even though, you know, obviously they're going to have substantial losses if half of their loans are discharged that they service. And so I, I uh, think that it may fall on the two 
federal loan servicers that are actually state agencies hmm. uh, to bring the lawsuit because they're state agencies of conservative states, and so they don't necessarily have to be concerned about being frozen out of the next round of contracts or anything like that. They can do the right thing, uh, you know, through the you know through the governors that appoint them, directing them to do so and to bring the lawsuit. And those two states are uh, Missouri and Oklahoma. Uh, Missouri's loan authority, Mohella, is actually the largest uh, servicer of federal student loans, uh, but it may be more difficult to get them on board with a lawsuit because their board is all kind of career educrats. And, uh, I mean, I hope it happens, but that might actually require an act of the legislature there in Missouri to direct it. But that, that may be possible, and I, there's some legislators that are interested in that. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, is a very good candidate to either bring a lawsuit or sign on to a lawsuit. They do. Uh, they have a lame duck state attorney general that may not be interested in doing it, but if the governor wants to do it, uh, they could certainly either hire an outside law firm or they could you know, sign on to one of the many suits I'm sure they're going to be anyway to bolster the standing analysis. And uh, the chairman of their state lending authority, which is a federal loan servicer, uh, Patrick Rooney, is actually on the board of the uh, SPN group in Oklahoma. So I, I, I think he may be like-minded anyway, even without the governor sort of poking and prodding. So I'm hoping uh, that one of those state lending authorities that, uh, that you know, services federal student loans will sign on, and I think that would really make the standing analysis very, very solid. And I think that if a lawsuit can survive the standing analysis, the same Supreme Court that said in, in uh, West Virginia versus EPA that on questions of major significance, major questions, Congress has to be crystal clear that an agency has the power to do it. Uh, they are not going to look favorably upon a president twisting a post-9-11 law uh, from 2003 and marrying it up with a fake COVID emergency to spend $500 billion to a trillion dollars on student loan discharges. So I think that if, if a case survives standing analysis, it will almost certainly uh, prevail in court on, on the uh, and on the substantive analysis. Well, thank goodness, and I'm just really pleased to hear that. That sounds like a reasonable solution with uh, this whole standing issue. That To me, I'm just scratching my head. How can we, why couldn't the GOP and Congress sue the president for and have standing yeah, against? Courts don't like that. You know, it's interesting, right, because you would think the legislative branch is clearly being aggrieved if the power of the purse, which is their most central prerogative is being usurped by the president, you might think uh, that they could bring a lawsuit. But what the courts have traditionally uh, said on lawsuits like that is kind of, you know, we're not going to get involved in the dispute between the other two branches, and if Congress doesn't like it, they should pass a law stopping it. Uh, and, of course, that's easier said than done. It's almost impossible to pass laws on anything, which is why we've had so much you know, usurpation of power by the executive. But, but courts historically... Uh, have not liked legislator standing uh, on lawsuits. And so, uh, you know, I kind of agree with you conceptually, but uh, it, it doesn't usually fly. Well, I know you've done a lot of research on this issue. The other thing that occurs to me is that uh, the, the president, uh, that Biden may actually know that and believe that this thing is going to be overturned, but it's fodder for the election between now and uh, November the 8th. Yeah, that's possible. And if you want to be really cynical, you could say, you know, he wants another thing to bash the court over the head with so he can push for, uh, you know, court expansion, mm. uh, court, court packing, and just, you know, blame the nasty, evil Republican Supreme Court for why you still have a student loan. Interesting indeed. Phil Kirpin, again, president of American Commitment. You can go to AmericanCommitment.org. Check it out. You'll see the column, Oklahoma, Missouri can and must stop Biden's student loan bailout. I couldn't agree more. Phil, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. All right. Have a good one, Bob. You as well. Thank you. Uh, so interesting uh, that, uh, by the way, uh, attorney and TikToker trial by Preston revealed in a video the Good Information Foundation attempted to pay him $400 to spread unsubstantiated rumors and misinformation about January the 6th President Trump and his 2020 presidential campaign. Can you believe this? I was just offered $400, he said, to make an anti-Donald Trump propaganda post related to the January 6th investigation that is completely not true. Preston Moore, Esquire, said in the video, 
The Good Information Foundation, headed by Rick Stengel, former Undersecretary of State in Obama administration, emphasizes that America is not an information is in an information crisis and that disinformation is threatening public health, safety, social trust, and democracy. Moore emphasized that he's not a Trump supporter, and to uh, give a little bit of uh, context, and noted that he's an attorney who posts legal news on TikTok. Other videos on his channel include discussions of the special master that was appointed to review documents seized by the FBI from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and on Parkland school shooter on the Constitution and other matters. He launched into what's uh, happening saying, I get an email from somebody at Good Information Foundation. The person said he's obscuring his name, sent me a message uh, letting me know that she's represented the Good Information Foundation and she's willing to offer a paid collaboration to discuss some topics related to January 6th. I said, sure, why not? I learned some more and he said, and he learned that the Good Information Foundation would pay him $400 to make a post on his page and share it on Instagram. He said, uh, the Good Information Foundation allegedly sent him important notes to say what, what to say in the video. Say criminal conspiracy, not attempted coup, treason, or insurrection. Say Trump Republicans, not Trump and his allies. Say January 6th investigation, not hearing or trial. Call this an attack on our country or an attack on America or on Americans and a criminal conspiracy committed crime. Talk about MAGA Republicans, etc. Make uh, clear that it's ongoing and unresolved, not passed and done. And show voter agency, turn the anger into the defense. This is just amazing. So this, they're posing as a not-for-profit, this organization. Now they're hiring people to write false narratives about what's really going on. It's just incredible. Uh, talk about how, that many aspects of their plan and broad involvement of the Trump officials, members of Congress, the Good Information Foundation suggests an example. The Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happen. So this is this is what happens. You know, I just really appreciate this story. But you can see, it's posing as a not-for-profit, but really financing false narratives going out to the public, and they know this guy is being followed, and uh, he's got a reputation as being uh, unbiased. So they're trying to bias him by giving him four hundred dollars to write this piece. It's just pretty pretty amazing. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell. Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. He also is, uh, is, writes books and also a column in Newsmax. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that SizzleDining.com provides a list of all the restaurants participating in Sizzle Dining between now and the 28th of uh, September. So there's still a few days to get out and try a new restaurant, uh, get the fixed price menus with great deals, and to go, go to SizzleDining.com. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's written several books, I think about a dozen. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Professor. Your latest uh, column in Newsmax, Woke ESG Lending Borrows from Beijing Social Controls. A scary piece, uh, Professor. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, there's a term that we've been hearing about, and you're going to be hearing an awful lot more about is ESG. And it's those three little initials get pretty scary. They stand for environmental social governance. And this is part of a whole cobweb of strategies to, to push uh, green ideology on the world and on the American public and when I say green, all this green is not does not grow. Yep. It's it's a it's a very loaded term, but but it has to do with uh, imposing most particularly anti-fossil, anti-energy uh, prohibitions upon uh, upon society. And, and what's particularly scary is you know we can to a large extent vote for policies in the government that affect. Oh, the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Interior and all these other alphabet organizations, but the uh, the big spider in the in the in the web are really the international corporations that are pushing this. Uh, partly because they're closing up with China, they see a big market there, and they're pushing a lot of electric vehicles and they're pushing windmills and sunbeams and stuff they can get subsidies for. Al, Al Gore was a huge champion of this with cap and trade and selling offsets and so on. But the beat goes on and it, and what it is, is, is really controlling lending, controlling the money supply. And, and, and I think the biggest spider of all is black rock, uh, mm-hmm. by Larry Fink and, 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 you know, they got like six, you know, six or eight or $10 trillion in, Money management stuff they they you know they manage and you have the Biden administration trying to push this in this kind of thinking on you know where, where uh, you know insidiously they're you know they're making requirements so that even in your investments for your four hundred four hundred one you know K up uh, uh, accounts and so on that uh, they'll have these ESG requirements and. And and if you project ahead and you really look at it, and I don't, it's not paranoid to think this. It really mimics, I think, and and somewhat copies the the credit uh, merit scores that they're using in China now for for social behavior control. The, with uh, you know you know right now there's you know there's technologies now that when we're seeing how our you know, our, our credit accounts, our credit cards are being, in some cases, weaponized to uh, determine what you're buying. And and, from, and this information is not necessarily private anymore. But uh, to measure, you know, we're going to, I think, soon see reporting on how much, you know, what your carbon footprint is, how much energy you're consuming. Mm-hmm. And, and... Um, with the potential of really cutting off your your lending or to purchase a home based upon you know energy consumption, so it's a very insidious way of imposing these these requirements because the carbon thing, of course, is tied to the the climate nonsense and and anti fossil strategies, and uh, it's a way of really uh, leveraging money away from. <laughs> fossil energy that we really need 
particularly now that we're we're draining or by draining the strategic uh, oil reserve. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's scary stuff, and we might you know be aware of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the whole notion of having a social scoring system like the Communist Chinese Party, is it's scary, very scary. I'll also suggest that just in and of itself, having ESG infecting our, our investments, and the, the SEC saying that we should have the, these compliant, or these components within uh, uh, governance in, in uh, different corporations to me makes absolutely, if you want to have a fund that's, that focuses on ESG, that's fine. But don't force it down everybody's throat. I mean, a corporation should be uh, focused on, uh, well, the three, three legs of the stool on their employees, on their stockholders, and, uh, you know, on, on uh, <laughs> I forgot the third leg. But the point being, the point being is that uh, this adds a, 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 a it's it's going to lower profitability, in my opinion. Well, yes, and and we're seeing states that are pushing back against it now, and and Florida, I think, is is championing this. Others are as well, because because there's also a level at which it affects what states can borrow based upon their, you know, their you know the criteria it's applied to them, and and uh, so at every level, whether you're talking about the effects of state budgets, or we're looking at our own individual budgets, and then we have the you have the big credit cards and, uh, platforms uh, participating in this with with in particular the new technology they have to monitor things. Uh, you know, and it's it's eerily similar to I think what we're seeing in China. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a there's a credit card now that can track you. You know, they can track the carbon footprint of all your purchases, including even even the food you eat in, the, in your travel, and and can cut off spending when you hit a certain you know foot, carbon footprint limit. Wow! Uh, there, there's a you know there's technology now that's a chip that you can be in, be implanted in your hand and and gives you all your personal information, so you don't have to carry a credit card. So you can you know you can just wave away your privacy over a sensor and. You know, and, and, and people are, are kind of gullible. They're unaware of how this was used. For example, when you think of the, you know, the Canadian truckers who didn't want to get the, the COVID shots. And they had their, their, their credits, you know, their credit cards deactivated and, and, and their GoFundMe accounts deactivated. So it's, a, it's something that can, you know, where you're putting your prerogatives individual liberties at the hands of large bankers that are that are to a very great extent globalist bankers they're not looking after your interest and it's absolutely uh, 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 opposite of how we think of of our country as a, where we're in control of our own funds our own initiatives we choose what to invest in and not have uh, uh, nanny state globalist companies uh, uh, telling us, uh, you know, uh, defining our morality around, uh, you know, buying s- solar panels. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff. Larry, I actually got on the phone with American Express. Uh, I actually worked for American Express for years. Uh, American Express Financial Advisors. My point is this: when I started the conversation, they said, uh, "What pronoun do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even believe this. I mean, that's how woke American Express has become right now. It's a scary world out there right now. And, uh, you know, everybody's bowing down to the uh, politically correct. I mean, we, we need to get away from this and get back to reality here. It's just unbelievable. I'm waiting for the bungee cord to spring back. I think I think there's, uh, I think people said, you know, enough of this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm woke enough. I'm more woke than I ever wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 stop it! Give me, give me a, give me a break! You know, uh, stop indoctrinating my kids and yeah. stop, uh, you know, leveraging my investments against uh, my best interests and 
you know, it's just, you know, quit quit already. We've had enough. Uh, indeed we have. Larry Bell, a yes, endowed professor at the University of Houston. His latest book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, it's a great read. I encourage you to look uh, look into that book by Larry Bell. You could get it on Amazon. Also, On Point is his column in Newsmax.com. Check it out. Larry, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I enjoy it so much. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for Monday, including Scott Cleland, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and uh, that novelist uh, Jim McTagg will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at BobHarden at Hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.